I am calling to order the Peace River Town Council regular meeting for Monday, May the 27th, 2019 to order. The record show that we thanks to Mr. McClain's great leadership, we are actually starting on time. Uh, <clears throat> uh, so that takes us to the adoption of the agenda. All councillors should have an agenda in front of them. Uh, Mr. McQuig, are there any additions? We have one addition, Your Worship, item 8.6, and it's our uh, for invitation and poster from the Aboriginal Interagency Committee for the Power Hall. Very good. Uh, any deletions? There, I ask. There are none, Your Worship. Okay. Yes, Your Worship, if I can have one walk on, I'll have a update for Council on the evacuation reception center for the uh, high level fire. Um, you, can, you can do that under, uh, under reports. Sure. All, so can I get a motion to accept the agenda as presented? Okay, all in favor of Mr. Gibbs' motion? Passed. Paper. Uh, minutes of the May 13th, 2019 regular council meeting. Um, any any corrections required there? I would move the minutes uh, of May 13th as uh, presented, Your Worship. Okay, all in favor? In favor. I don't think you were there, Ms. Uh, Downey. No, but so I, I think I have to move that we adopt the minutes, though. Yeah, I think you're supposed to vote, but at the same time, uh, I can vote on something that you didn't attend. Um, and I'm fine with that, too. Yeah. Um, any public hearings, Mr. McQuaid? There are none, Your Worship. Okay, very good. So that'll take us right to presentations. So we have Staff Sergeant uh, Onassis. Um, making a presentation, and perhaps you can introduce your your guests or your uh, maybe this is your uh, fire power. Oh, all right, I'd like to introduce themselves, and they'll from operational strategy branch first. All right, uh, good evening. Uh, thank you for having us, uh, Your Worship. <coughs> My name is uh, Inspector Shane Ramsmore. I'm the Client Services Officer uh, for uh, the RCMP here in Alberta. Um, currently actually doing double duty. I'm also the uh, what's known as the informatics officer for the province. So I also handle uh, IT information management and so on and so forth. I'm doing that for about another month and a half. So um, I think there's going to be a couple questions I'm going to anticipate. Uh, some of the correspondence <coughs> Jesse and I have had back and forth related to um, some of the items on the multi-year financial plan so I can cover off with that expertise as well and then I'll turn it over to Chris. Good afternoon, Your Worship. Uh, Sergeant Chris Delisle. Um, I'm as well uh, stationed in the OSB, Operation Surgery Branch. I am currently working two jobs as well, uh, half uh, Inspector Ramtamol's job and my own as a planning, uh, planning analyst. Uh, so, yeah. Great, great, excellent. So, I didn't come with a set presentation uh, per se, but I know that. Um, I don't know how to start the conversation in the sense of uh, maybe some issues at hand, but related, I guess, to the multi-year financial plan itself. Right. And um, um, 
don't know if you wanted to have some open comments first or if you just wanted me to run uh, off the hop from there. Sure. So the, the plan itself is geared towards a five-year planning cycle for ourselves between us, the RCMP, and the town in relation to how we view uh, a number of different things, obviously equipment and human resourcing seems to be the, the predominant planning structure around the plan. Um, and so with that, what we try to do is look at how we foresee, so in Jesse's uh, vision, the next five years will look at uh, financially um, related to strictly under the town contract per se. Um, what he foresees as resources required to continue to provide the service as you expect um, related to you know service standard that your citizens would like to see. Um, and so with that uh, there's also the equipment stuff which I always consider residual but it needs to be there as well. Right? So, so with that I know that Jesse brought it last year um, and um, uh, it, it was, I don't know if the right word is acknowledged or not acknowledged, and I think we're back to that. That's why, again, so what we wanted to do was come up and sort of have a disposal discussion with you about um, responsibilities, I guess, so in relation to costs and whatnot. We understand that there's frustration um, with uh, policing costs in, in terms of not everybody in the region pays, not, a, not everybody in the province pays for policing like you do. And we recognize that. So uh, as an organization, the RCMP is, I hate to say it, the service provider. We're the janitor that takes care of the school, <laughs> so to speak. But your your contract is with uh, the province of, well, it's technically not with the province of, it's with um, Public Safety Canada. Uh, and then we provide the service based on that contract. So the issues at hand about who doesn't pay for policing isn't really our issue in the sense like we can't speak to for against or you know in support of or not support of um, so I'm very cautious when I make the next comments that we understand the situation and we recognize it's a problem for all our municipal contract partners in the province so right now we have 45 municipal contracts and soon to be 47 so we recognize that as an issue and, and while we think that if everyone were to chip in it would definitely help with a lot of the service that we can provide. Um, it's something that's not under our purview or our capacity to handle. So it's it's definitely the provinces. Um, they just did the police act review. I don't know if you folks were a part of that at all or had any input into it. Um, is that what you're it's, it's it's part of it, yeah. It, it, it's part of what you Yeah, sorry, yeah, so I'm uh, AUMA, Alberta Municipal Association of Guns, got a review committee, and they're, they're looking at uh, obviously the financial component as part of what they're looking at the police act as well. So I've attended a couple of meetings now, and work is ongoing. Uh, but yes, there are many, 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 many people having input into that. And, uh, so yeah, it's uh, a lot of frustrations from the municipal point of view, that's for sure. But uh, We'll let you finish before we jump in, or uh, or you won't get a word in edgewise. <laughs> so, but, uh, Public Service Canada, uh, we don't sign a contract directly between the town and Public Service Canada. You do. It's actually signed by the federal public safety minister. 
So in, in this case, it wasn't Ralph Goodale who signed it, but he's the public safety minister today. Right, but doesn't isn't the, isn't it the province that signs it? No, no. Your agreement's strictly between the federal ministry, Public Safety Canada, and yourselves. Yes. So the province ducked. It's pretty unusual for them to to make to try and uh, root money without them getting their hands on it. So, um, so I. I guess that's sort of where that lies in that sense. The, I know AUMA has a working group. Um, the, the previous provincial government finished uh, a review of the Police Act. I don't know what was generated or created, but then it was put aside for the new government to decide what's to do next. Um, and my recommendation is, is that you further those discussions along. And I think, and I don't mean just you, but uh, going back to your AUMA partners and everybody else, I think that voice has to be loud enough for the provincial government to hear it. Um, because I had a conversation with another municipality today, uh, same multi-year financial plan. And I, I'm here to tell you that there's nothing different in the conversation. Absolutely nothing. So, and who is that municipality that you're going to ask? <laughs> Grand Prairie? Uh, no, it wasn't, actually. Oh. No, it wasn't. No. Further to the south, actually. So, um, I recognize what what the issues are, and, and, and I understand it. I've, I've done this job for a few years to see uh, the frustrations. Um, I've policed this part of the world. Uh, it feels like coming home when I fly in and I can pick out all the little landmarks, on it, and I miss it. But um, so there's a bit of heart and passion in what happens here in the peace country, and it's, and it's so it's not lost upon me. But the problem is, is I, we, the RCMP have no control over this monster. The problem that we do have, though, is we have to continue to do and provide the service that you expect of us. And so I look at, and I'll say it, the town of Westland, and that's the conversation I had today. The service is such that the detachment commander has to shutter the door for a period of time throughout the week in order to do the business. Because he doesn't have, and it's the same, and when I say same, I mean like, all he's asking for is one more municipal employee. That's all he's asking for. So that... We can keep you're doing. asking for two. Uh, well, correct. Um, one in, and I apologize, the year is next year, I think. And then one two years after that. And again, this is not, this document's not something, if you sign it today, it means, <coughs> means absolutely nothing. We all walk away and agree that there's at least a plan of some sort in place. But it doesn't mean that you're financially obligated. It doesn't mean when you come to budget discussions in the fall, October, November, December, whatever that is, and we say, okay, we're looking for one municipal employee, say, no, you know, we changed our mind, we're not going to fund it. Absolutely no problem. We walk away, everything's good, everything's gold, because that document, all it is is just it gives you an idea of what we're thinking. It's a thought. It's not a plan. It's not a, you're not committing to anything at all. But going back to where I was saying is, is that I don't want the service here in Peace River to suffer to the level that it is currently. I don't want to see a citizen from the town of Peace River knocking at the door at Peace River Detachment, unable to get to service at 10.30 in the morning because the detachment's not going to open until 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Because that's the ramification of it, right? Um, when we talk about, and I can talk more on it after, about line speed upgrades and Wi-Fi, these are all things that are coming, and we call it, it's called e-disclosure, instead of now a staff member standing in front of the photocopier, photocopying a court package for 18 hours a day in a man. I'm kind of, that's a bit of a euphemism, but um, 
Now what we're doing is everything's got to be scanned, and then it's going to be emailed over. Email is a simplistic term, but it'll be disclosed to the Crown Prosecutor's Office that way. So that's, it's a change. Now we're not doing this for 18 hours. Now we're going to do something different. But it's supposed to speed up our disclosure issues, which are going to be more in line with modern-day technology. So now, um, and I've forgotten the case, but the disclosure issue that we had, if we didn't get a, a case prosecuted in 18 months or two years, it got um, tossed, right? So that's supposed to improve that piece. So, all this to say, we don't want the service here at Peace River to suffer. So that's why Jesse's not asking for our members. When we look at your stats, your stats look great. You've got 573, and I'm just going off memory, um, police officers per 1,000 year population, which is below the provincial average. Um, yeah, 573. So, uh, you know, your criminal code case per member is a little bit higher at uh, 124, and the provincial average is around 97. So small things, but you're not far off. So he's not asking for more cops, um, which are expensive. But if we have the support in the office, you see the visibility improve. You see more policemen on the street. You get that visibility that you need, and maybe we get a couple tickets out of it as well. Right? Uh, I say that tongue in cheek, but uh, you know there's so many benefits when we have the support in the office, and it's something I think. And and I get it. It's that there's a cost implication to that. I can't remember. I think it's around seventy-nine thousand dollars. I think is what's in the plan. So um, annually. But at, at the end of it all, there is a need for it. So. Well, I somewhat understand the need, but in some cases I don't. So how how much uh, are we paying right now, Al? Do you know what the budget number is? Oh, Two million. Um, off the top of my head, I can't remember. Let's see. 1.8, officers and we could actually say these 12 officers need to stay within the municipal boundaries of conservative. So we've, we've uh, and this, this is before Jesse's time, but we basically, the staff sergeant, uh, I think at the time with Brian Volkin uh, said, listen, I need, uh, I need operational flexibility because that allows me to use my resources efficiency, efficiently, uh, i.e. I'm not restricting, don't don't make me restrict police officers to the municipal boundaries of Peace River. Let, let me, with my rural contingent, let me switch them in and out. So that, there must be obvious, you would, so if you have operational efficiencies, you obviously have some cost savings there. Yes, that's right. So we haven't, so I don't think we're getting uh, the credit for that. We, uh, well, well, and maybe you need to just take this back to uh, to the strategical think tank that you work with. But uh, also, we uh, we implemented uh, photo radar, and 
And the idea there was to relieve, to allow police officers to focus in on more. To get them off the traffic beat, but still keep up the traffic enforcement. Um, I didn't realize that at the time that it sucks, sucks up a lot of RCMP time just to set these people up in the zones where they can, they can do their photo radar and that. But anyhow, we did get rid of the photo radar, but we beefed up our, uh, our so we hired an additional peace officer. Um, and uh, I think they're doing a lot of work out there. Plus, we, uh, we're in the process of converting our bylaw enforcement officer, upgrading that to a, a peace officer. So, you know, we've, we've put a lot more boots on the ground. Yeah. Now, um, so, um, so in addition to the 1.8 or 1.9 million dollars, we are spending extra money to allow your, in many ways, allow your officers to be more efficient, uh, to let them focus in on, I guess, the sexy crimes, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure they they prefer to be uh, hunting down narcs instead of uh, stopping speeders. But um, so so we're doing that, um, and and you're I know you're saying we have a contract with you, but in some ways that contract is negotiated by the Solicitor General of Public Service Canada. We don't have. Know, you and I don't negotiate that contract. But um, this is why Mr. Needham is on this AUMA police task force is there needs to be a more equitable more equitable distribution of the costs within Alberta. And we and when we've gone to the table, we we've, we've gone there with constructive solutions. I, um, well, for I guess more EG, for example, uh, we suggested maybe X percent of linear assessment every for you apply two, three percent on linear assessment and everyone kicks in. Or you could do it on equalized assessment. But you're right now the rurals, I know that they. They help support some of those positions that are are in the detachment, but um, they're certainly not bearing a lot of the cost. And policing is more than just protecting people; it's also protecting property, right? Yes. So they they do need to, uh, in some way, step up. Um, the only way we we can, and I'm sure you've heard this all just today, but the only way we can get monies is through property taxes. That's the only that's the only method that we have at our disposal, and we are one of the higher tax communities in all of Alberta. Partly because we're we are trying to keep our our infrastructure up. Uh, upgrade it where necessary. Um, 
fact, we have some some waterwork projects that, that are a must and have to be done. And there's other other infrastructure activities that you just need just to be a community uh, that is appealing for RCMP officers to come to. But uh, uh, and when you when you look at the average taxpayer and how much they're paying in property taxes, so the average uh, tax is uh, $3,000 per household or 3500 or somewhere in that range. Uh, they probably add another uh, 500 600 for Northeast Housing and the school, the school board maybe even more than four, five, six hundred. So when, when you compare it to box 52 on the T4 SWIFT, it's nothing. So we're transferring a whole bunch of money up the line to the federal and provincial governments. And, and they need to, uh, so that's really where the, the uh, Policing costs should come out, either come out of that or create a separate, the province creates a separate tax, um, whether it be equalized assessment or linear assessment. And, and we come up with those constructive suggestions, but, um, and I, I don't know whether the idea of this committee, maybe it was the provincial government's idea just to bog it down in committee stage, but. We, we need a more equitable uh, cost cost structure, and uh, and maybe we can do that before you uh, this municipal clerk, um, because we we can do more something like 10 percent of the budget uh, policing costs. Well, I guess we're, uh, what, we can take in 10, 12 million or 10, 14 taxes. So 8% or something like that. That's a big chunk. And that's just RCMP. That isn't fire included. So uh, we've, we've reached the end of our rope and uh, we, and, and we're reaching out to AUMA and trying to act through this committee to to come up with a cost distribution. So, um, and really, it makes more sense for you to get your monies from the province or the feds because it guarantees independence. <coughs> I, if I'm gonna, if I, you know, I in some ways I feel like if I'm I'm the mayor. Of the town of Peace River, and I'm paying for Jesse's services. Um, we've given him lots of independence, and he needs that independence. Um, uh, but if, if we're paying two million dollars, we're almost kind of saying, "Yeah, maybe we should have more direct control." And I don't think that's a good thing from a justice point of view. Probably not. Yeah. But, I, but I understand what you're saying. Um, I've talked to, uh, we've had discussions uh, at AUMA, um, and I remember you being there at the last meeting that we had. Um, I think Mr. Parker had a, a really good idea. I don't remember what it was, though. So, 
apologize for that. That was that was taken was it X percent from X percent from the linear assessment. Yeah, don't give Mr. Parker credit for my ideas. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, the uh, you know in every community that we talk to, we recognize that our costs are a substantial amount of <coughs> each municipality's budget. Um, and and you know what? We walk away from this meeting today, understanding that that is a reality. Um, and so, I, I guess what I should have focused in on this one municipal employee. And it's not it's not my goal to walk out of here saying that that's what we want for me today. Um, I don't know what my goal is today, other than I just well, I want you to know that we recognize your position um, right. and that we understand it, um, and that we don't. I think, I think Jesse feels some stress, and I'm speaking candidly, but I think he feels some stress from this when it's not our, it's not, I'll, I'll use a phrase that I've heard in the background or a back room, but it's not our bun fight, really, right? And so, you know, he feels kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place when we really can't leverage the province to open up the police act and make the change. You know what I mean? Well, the, the, struggle, the struggle is that Joshua Commander is obviously I want to give you the best service I can. But there's so, everything's gotten more and more complex. I mean, bail hearings used to be a 20 minute ordeal, and a paradox drive used to be, but now we're looking at hours for these things. And I'm taking police officers off the street. What I always hear continually is where's the police? Where are the police? How can I get more police? So the answer is to, to remove that administrative burden. Somebody have, because they basically turned a lot of us into administrators. And some of these investigations that we have to do, like domestic violence, they're federally legislated. We have no wiggle room to say we can streamline this, like it's forced down the pipe to us, or, or for example, missing persons. Um, a lot of my guys, you know, why the schedule works is it's basically work-life balance. Because if I have to look at putting members on call, number one, it's hard enough to track members to the north. We're continually a training ground. That's the reality that most people want through Starbucks. You know, not saying all of them, but but it, but it is a it, it is a tough sell to get people to come north, and I think you guys have experienced that yourselves. Um, so so the schedule works for a work-life balance, but return on investment. Um, I look at like Roxanne Noss and some of my members. Not only the are we tied up with more and more of our time doing actual policing, but there's also community events that we have to look to support because we want to, and a lot of times we're doing that off our off our own time. I mean. For building maintenance, we do offer all time. Like it's all been offloaded on us, and we're kind of going, well, where do we go with all this? Like I look at Roxanne from Clyde, <coughs> she's basically ready to pull her hair out because she's probably puts in 20, 30 hours a month just into volunteer hours with the musical ride. She has kids to deal with, right? And we have, you know, we have the province expects us to support the fire, but at the same time, you know, we have Canada Day, we have all these events, and so far the members come in on their own time to do it. When they're in the schools, on their own time. It's a challenge because we want to provide that service and we want to be visible, but just a sheer bureaucracy of what the justice system expects of us as far as the quality of paper. And we all know that. When have you ever seen less paperwork, right? Or even something new that's coming to the Mount Police is we're accountable for safety, right? Where safety finding has to be at a crazy level now, where before it was just kind of you're a police officer and risk is inherent with the police. So all those things have added to our administrative burden, and I'm trying to get my members out to do police work. Yet the paperwork and the standard for that paperwork is still way up here, and I have no control over it. And and I'm sure you've seen that from the public, or heard from the public. 
Yeah, just to uh, comment on that, uh, Your Worship, the uh, I do I do totally agree with the uh, the shared payment that it should be like a user pay system. But I did have conversations with uh, Jesse earlier, and we just at the ACCPA conference that I went to in Canmore, we just had a, a presentation from. Uh, and I have to apologize because I can't remember the gentleman's name right off the top of my head. Peter. He, uh, oh, Peter Tufek. Yeah. Out of K Division. That's right. So we just had a big presentation on on exactly what you're talking about, and the RCMP are, and I'm, maybe I'll let you talk to it, Jesse. But the RCMP are looking to change the way they they do some of the paperwork business. So rather than the officer coming back to the detachment and doing all of that paperwork, it's actually going to be an actual administrator doing now. Well, I, we're we're finally trying to modernize. I mean, we're probably the last organization in the world. That still likes box files, right? I mean, really, what if we had a major file and there were six accused in it, and one of the things, we were there until midnight copying, you know, like I said, Apple boxes full of disclosure, and hauling each one over for the accused, and having some defense lawyers say, Well, I think I'm missing page 32, and having to redo that whole process, right? Because we weren't accepted of electronic disclosure in these things. So we finally stepped into the modern world, and I'm hoping that'll alleviate it. But Again, they want that done by the support staff, right? So now I've increased the burden on the support staff and taking it maybe somewhat off the members to get them on the streets. But right now, we're still, we still have our toe dipped in both worlds where the members are still doing some, the support staff are still doing some because we don't have the administrative staff. Well, and I sympathize because even, even in, within the municipal administration, we face that problem and we're not. We're, we're not fully computerized either, so, but, uh, yeah, well, the solution really is to find a better way to, uh, to, uh, to get the costs, uh, to, to, uh, to uh, share the costs. And you probably need to take that back. Um, and we, like I said, we, we are uh, we're, we're putting resources up there to, to try and give your members more time uh, <coughs> to go off some of the uh, some of the some of perhaps the less sex, sexy issues off the off the table. For instance, we had our peace officer plus two sheriffs out at the. Uh, Security at the uh, registration center. Sure. Uh, we didn't. We know that your, your time is more valuable than that. So, um, but uh, you know, just going back to the, as I said, we we pay. Our only way of paying you is property taxes. And out of every tax dollar, municipalities only get 10% of it, 10 cents out of every hundred are, are um, go to municipalities. But yet, municipalities are responsible for 60% of the infrastructure. So, you know, we, we're, we're, we're just as beat down as, as, as we guys are. So maybe uh, with that, maybe, Mr. Ewan, you can talk about where we're at on the uh, police committee that you serve on. 
Yeah, so there's uh, just, you know, I, I hate to regurgitate this, but we'll, uh, we'll try it with a different voice at the microphone, you know. So, you know, I've had this discussion with our rural neighbors, and they, they, they are well aware that they don't pay, and, and we do. And, and over a, a cup of coffee, I look at my neighbors and say, like, well, why don't you guys step up and get your checkbook out? And, of course, it's easy for them to default to, well, you guys are, you guys signed the contract with Canada and we'll sell again. And, and oh, and by the way, we don't get the same level of service as you do. And I look at them and say, explain that to me. Well, we don't get the same levels of service. So my question would be, so there's a murder in Northern Sunrise, and there's a murder in the town of Peace River. Would the response not be exactly the same? Uh, if my lawnmower gets stolen out of my backyard, and a lawnmower gets stolen out of a backyard in the MD of Northern Lights or of, of Northern Sunrise, is not the response exactly the same? And I, I'm just looking, but I presume the answer is yes. Yes. Yeah, they're supposed to be. So, so there's absolutely no difference. And, and uh, I'm surprised that uh, rural people don't understand that, or that this particular rural person didn't understand as well. There's, uh, there's 13 rural members in this building, there's four aboriginal members in this building, and there's 12 that are paid for us. There's, there's a lot of resources there. So I guess what I was leading to was, can you talk a little more about service levels? Uh, we don't publish service levels in or do we do we have does Alberta have a service level? Like uh, as in sorry, well, in, 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 in investigating uh, public complaints um, or investigating a major crime, is there a is there something that's is there a standard? Uh, I'm going to try and answer the question. I don't know if I quite understand it, but I guess what you're saying is is if we have a major homicide in Peace River, is there a is there an investigative process we need to follow in order to make sure that the yeah, service is? Sure, I, I guess that's what I'm saying. And is it, and is it any different than if it happened in St. Isidore or if it happened in the rural setting? I presume the answer is no. Yeah, it's exactly the same. There's no difference at all. And I guess, you know, when we, I, like I, I think of what we have so many processes we have to follow when we have a, a homicide. Whereas if we have a stolen lawnmower, and I'm just using your two examples, it's, it's a lot shorter than the expectations, right? But they're the same. Whatever, you know, whatever the situation is, every expectation is exactly the same for every investigation, no matter the location. And that's exactly how it should be. So if you had a lawnmower stolen in the rural, then you know, you'd probably see a policeman drive out. And if you don't see a policeman drive out, we have a call center that'll call you. And that's the same that happens in Peace River. If you had a lawnmower stolen and you don't have a policeman come, you'll have a policeman call you. So it doesn't change. That's, so, you know, that argument's a little bit tough to... Well, I, I guess what I was... Again, I, you know, the, I think the view of the, the, per the AUMA committee is that you know, we, we need a fair model and everybody needs to pay, but I, I just... I find it hard to accept that uh, someone in a rural area seems to think that they don't get any service, and I just, I, I really, I, I just don't understand that. And I, and I think what they're measuring service by is police presence, right? Yeah. Because obviously it's it's hard to be present in all these obscure rural areas. We've tried the best we can, but the reality is, of course, there's going to be more police present in the peace because you guys pay for it. 
right? And, and my mandate is that's absolutely necessary. I expect my municipal members to be in the town doing municipal policing, right? And I don't expect them to be subsidized in the rural areas where, you know, we have that combined policing model as calls for service where, you know, because of occupational health and, health and safety and not in society, we sometimes need two members to a lot of calls. Maybe we didn't need 10 years ago because society's changed, drugs have changed, level of violence against police officers has changed. But I think when I go to the a lot of these uh, rural meetings with, with uh, the MD counterparts, first thing I always say is, where's the police? You know, Peace River has all these police and, and continually I say, well, they, they pay for 12 police officers. I have to keep those police officers there. <coughs> and, and that's the model, and I don't apologize for it because I'm pretty confident if you weren't seeing your police officers in town, they're hearing the exact same thing from you, except a little with, with a little bit more vigor because you're paying for those police officers. So I, I think that's probably what they're judging service on is police presence. Just well, maybe it comes down to density. We have 6,800 6, people, so close to 7,000 people. So you expect X number of police officers per thousand people. They, I don't know. Sunrise County is, uh, well, now that Kadot Lake or Lubicon Lake is, uh, is is being carved off in a separate reserve, I don't even think they have a thousand people up there. But nonetheless, you told us that the, the response to a crime is the same for the rurals as it is for us. We, uh, you know, I don't think we're going to resolve anything here. Uh, I'm probably not going to, yeah, I'm not going to sign anything uh, today. But, um, and, and I think we are supportive. You know, for instance, you, we needed the AFRAC radio system. Well, that cost gets downloaded onto us. And uh, we recognize that that's a safety thing. So, yeah, we're, we're there. Um, when it comes to these, uh, when it comes to the clerks, uh, they have to be bilingual too, don't they? No. No. Not at all. I'm not bilingual. I do speak Spanish, but I'm not bilingual. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you're, I know, uh, you, I'm not sure where we are on time here. So uh, on the five-year plan, uh, I know, Jess, I think you want to focus on the discussion but you know there was the AFRAC stuff it wasn't clear there's body armor there's uh, new handguns there's uh, battle shields there's uh, there's a I'm sorry I'm, there's about five items on there sure. so is there when I looked at that it they really do we know about those costs yet or are they sure I can speak to that Okay, so let's go to AFRAX first because uh, I know that that's been a bit of a, uh, an issue. So in every year what we do is we bill you, in year we bill you for costs spent the year previous. So we're forecasting $8,647. I know that's a rough estimate uh, for 2021. What we're doing there is, is in 20, 1920, this year, because we thought we'd be done by now, we're not done. There are some costs being incurred this year. So roughly your, so it was a four year payment plan, if pardon the expression, 
uh, the last two years, we didn't spend what we thought we would spend. So that $8,647 is actually carrying over of money that we did not spend. So you're actually not spending an extra $8,647. What we've done is we deferred those costs to the uh, fifth year. So it's not an extra cost. Um, I can talk about Wi-Fi installation as well. So what's happening there is, is currently the in-car video camera system that we have. Um, someone, so a member goes out on patrol, they finish their shift, they have to pull a thumb drive out, still thumb drive, still thumb drive. Yeah. we walk into the office, plug it into a computer, have to download it. Now what's going to happen once we have that Wi-Fi upgrade or installed here, the car will drive into the parking lot, that Wi-Fi will automatically upload the video, now saving the member time, and it's onto the server. So it's actually going to be, focus. what are we talking time with? We're probably looking 20 minutes, half an hour, just minimal, sure. just to download it. Sure. So we're saving all so that. Remember, currently testing that in both Grand Prairie and St. Paul. Uh, there's some issues with everything's uploading nicely, but you can't get the, the firmware upgrades, everything else back into the car. So a little thing that we're working towards, but we're getting there. So uh, line speed upgrades. I spoke to you about uh, the e-disclosure program. That's coming, but also other things that we're going to need to boost up the, the line speed. So that's. Yeah. You're not, uh, you're not using Yahweh as your <laughs> Wi-Fi. No, we're not, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so now I can speak to portable ballistic so shields. Is there a number on that? Is there a cost number on that? It's on the, on the chart here, yeah. So your line speed upgrade, that's $1,800 a year annually. And that's an annual uh, service fee. Uh, $11,400 for the Wi-Fi installation in 2020. And then a carryover of 3,300 for service. Um, portable ballistic shields, reaching equipment, extended range weapon, hard body armor, pistol modernization, all those items, oh, and Android devices. So all those items are sitting with uh, the contract management committee. Uh, that's a, f um, a national committee where the province of Alberta attends on behalf of all contract partners. but. There's something unique that's built in. So AUMA actually has a representative that sits on that committee as well as an observer. So um, I forgot Kelly's last name. Do you know who that is? Yeah, Kelly, um, she's, I think she's running yeah. that committee. Kelly Santos? Santa Rosa, thank yeah. you. Uh, she's the one that sits on that yeah, committee. So can she can, yeah, she can speak to some of that a bit for you. But for most of these items, we don't know when. We don't know how much because some of it hasn't been approved even by our national senior executive committee yet. So once CMC sort of approves it, says it's good, then it goes over to our senior exec for final approval. So we're still waiting on quite a few of these. What this does though, it gives you an idea of what could be coming. I'm not saying that it all will be approved, and if so, at least you have an idea that it's coming. So, um, and much like the AFRAX program, it'll be probably included into the cost program if it does. So your committee chair is uh, Bill Gillen from Grand Prairie? He is. When is he going to bring the hammer down? <coughs> well, he, well, I'm not sure. So I'm not sure what the, the mayor is. It's to uh, change their cost structure. Yeah. So, you know, this committee, again, it's, it's certainly some process, much, uh, lots of process. And I, I think uh, I have to go and look at my notes, but I think there must be about eight mayors sitting on there. And, Certainly, uh, and there's and four of those mayors, or four of the members, I'm sorry, actually former RCMP members. I suspect you gentlemen might know some of them. Um, Imagine Bucks probably said that. Yeah, Mr. He is one of them, yeah, from Red Deer, yeah. 
So, uh, you know, certainly the feeling is, and, and we did discuss the letter, and yes, 45 of them or 47 of them were sent out, and, uh, you know, there wasn't anyone in the room that said that they were signing anything, and I think they were all making statements such as we were that, you know, when we, AUMA comes up with a position paper or some sort of a, uh, some recommendations that, you know, we, we move on. In the meantime, we just, we just chug along. But yes, yeah, certainly Grand Prairie Bill Given is, uh, his contract is, uh, it's our 70, 30, I think his is 90, 10. So as much pain as we have, he has an equal amount of pain. So, uh, but I believe the, uh, with the new government, there was discussions to meet, <clears throat> pardon me, discussions to meet with, uh, senior, senior officials, uh, it was hoped that there were going to be some recommendations by this fall. I think now there are uh, more meetings planned. The Alberta Police Chiefs Association is involved. Uh, it's uh, quite a large, uh, quite a large audience. So again, working towards uh, you know, some recommendations. But um, is there anything? That, is the mayor suggest? Is there a silver bullet out there? Well, not yet. But uh, I guess we'll continue the discussion and. Uh, you know, there was lots of saber rattling, and uh, you know, to the extent that, well, you know, when the sheriffs came to Alberta five years ago, four years ago, that that was the start of the OPP in Alberta, and um, you know, the RCMP contract would be ended, and we would we would adopt the the model of the OPP, and there, you know, that sort of background. I, I wasn't aware of some of that, but apparently that was quite a strong movement a number of years ago. Uh, whether or not that. That's just a lot of talk, of course, at this level. But uh, yeah, like my the municipalities at that table are pr pretty frustrated. There's no question. But and you you've got it twice today, so uh, you'll sleep well tonight, I'm sure. But, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's my job. It's, it's your job. job. It's okay. But yeah, I I think when you're talking to the rurals, I mean, I think yeah, maybe you can help us. Like uh, we do get some enhanced money from. I believe we got some from Northern Sunrise. Uh, I think basically that enhanced position is based for the overtime for an RCMP member to do his regular job. I think is basically what it comes down to. That's 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 how I would interpret it. Is that accurate? Or? Well, I, I can tell you, if it wasn't for the enhanced position, we probably wouldn't be in the schools. The workload we have here, yeah. like we, really, we we wouldn't have that kind of presence. So it's great that we have that, and because uh, we we just yeah. don't have the capacity. Yeah, and I, I just should. And I don't think anybody. If, if, you know, the community of 5,000 mark is, is ever, there's, no, there's nobody here that says we don't want to pay. Like, we'll pay, you know? <laughs> but it's it's just that equitable model that we're looking for. And uh, so if we can find a way to get there, that's that's obviously where we want to go. Yeah, and, and we recognize that, we understand that. So I guess when I spoke earlier, I didn't have my goal, but really my goal today was to make sure that you folks knew that we're just the guys doing the work for you, you know, you're, You've got to go through your AMAs, and you got to the next day you may meeting you have where the province is at the table, and we'll, we'll be there beside them. But you got to let them have it again. Sort of doesn't sound right, but you got to let them know, right? <coughs> you got to let them know, and but not just you. The other 35 communities that we meet with, they all have to sing from the same song sheet, right? They have to walk around on that. And, and the province, the folks that we work with, are great to work with. It's got to get back to the DMs and the, and the ministers, right? Those are the ones that are going to impact the most. So. And I don't think anybody denies policing is expensive for the town. I mean, we, we do everything possible to try and save money. I think we came up 
fairly light on the budget this year again. And again, that was support from the district commander who said, you know what, let's move a couple positions into provincial positions and if we want to save over $100,000 in just in wages, I think this year, on the, on the policing budget. So we understand it. It's just, you know, we feel powerless. Like at my level, I feel powerless, right? Because everybody wants policing. And, I, and how do I get policing without being support? I got to get my guys out of the office. I feel powerless too because I want policing, but I don't have any money to buy it. So, uh, I guess you need to ask Mr. Given how we can cut 4% out of this budget, uh, his tax last year. <laughs> well, I, I understand he, a couple of years ago, he put on a whole, whole extra shift. Mm -hmm. uh, a policeman. Yeah, he, yes. yeah, he bought quite a few. Right? Yeah. But I don't think we're the hotbed of uh, crime in Alberta like we're in Paris. Yeah. No. Thankfully. Yeah. No, it's it's pretty rough. I remember uh, when I was working out of there a few years back, and they had six homicides in the city in one year. So, so and I think knock on wood, we're fortunate here. So I get jealous that we were the most we, we put the arguments together in, in, in the most eloquent fashion. I can let Ralph know. Yeah, I can let Ralph know. Yeah. No, it's good. Thank you for thank you for seeing us, and we appreciate. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Broadside. Yeah, no worries. That's why we're here. Thank you. But let it, let it be noted that we didn't shoot the messenger. <laughs> Thank you. Great. So this is Bylaw Monday. Sounds like. three bylaws on the agenda I'm here to speak to, but they are yours, not mine. Well, you've seen them so much. This should be yeah. done in five minutes. Everyone's had their chance to weigh in, right? So this is it, right? For IDPs? 
these, so I'll, I'll speak to all three bylaws uh, in one. I know you need to make separate motions, but it will probably be simpler to do three in one. Um, so before you is uh, bylaw 2046, which is the IDP between the town and Northern Sunrise County, bylaw 2047, which is the town and the County of Northern Lights, and bylaw 2048, which is the town and the MDF Peace. They are all intermunicipal development plans that were developed in uh, conjunction with their municipal councils based on a process that involved a, a council session to help determine the priorities between the municipalities and to agree on the plan area. Uh, they all impact joint plan areas, um, land within both the town and the uh, neighboring municipality, and they establish policies related to development as well as administrative processes uh, related to development to make sure that the municipalities are coordinating development processes on the municipal boundaries. Um, we have ha held an open house. Uh, there was one on March 12th at Northern Sunrise County, specifically dealing with the town and Northern Sunrise's plan. And then another open house on March 13th where all three plans were available for public comment and, uh, and feedback. And we did receive feedback and made some small changes uh, to every single one of the plans. Uh, and those changes were brought before council between uh, <coughs> houses in March and today. So today we have finalized documents before you uh, for first reading. And uh, the options for all the bylaws would be to provide first reading to each of them, which for the bylaw adoption process and is consistent with the anticipated bylaw adoption process in each of the neighboring municipalities. and allows us to, uh, to schedule the public hearing and proceed with the statutory advertising. Alternatively, you could choose to table the bylaws. However, that <coughs> would potentially uh, lead to inconsistent or asynchronous bylaw readings between the two municipalities and it would delay the public hearing given the um, schedule for advertising. So it is our recommendation that council provides first reading to each bylaw 2046, 2047, and 2048 in separate motions. And I can take any questions that you might have. Reading and <laughs> speaking at the same time. So, any questions in his body? Okay, so go to first reading and then can we go to second? No, we first. We'll have to advertise and hear, have a public hearing, uh, which will be the last council meeting in June. Okay. Your Worship, I have one forty-six. Put a motion on the floor for first reading for bylaw twenty forty-seven. Okay. All in favor? In favor. Okay. All in favor, Mr. Goods. Motion. In favor. Should be good for those, eh? So next one yours too, or what? 2049. Uh, the next one is mine, Your Worship. Uh, and this is just a kind of a, a follow-up from the offsite buddy bylaw 2044. And one of the things that we kind of missed in passing that bylaw was we had two reference bylaws in there, bylaw 1929 and 1952 which have now become obsolete and need to be repealed. 
So within that, uh, we did, uh, within the uh, 24 report bylaw repeal 1851, which is the old off-site levy bylaw, but within that, there are two reference bylaws, 1929 and 1952, which also uh, were amendments to 1851, the off-site levy bylaw. To, and so just to clean things up, uh, we would like to repeal uh, both those bylaws as well. So the option is that by first, second, and third readings to bylaw 2049, uh, bylaw to repeal bylaws 1829 and 1952. Okay. So who wants to do first reading? Your Worship, I'll do first, uh, first reading for a motion as a bylaw to repeal Bylaws 1929 and 1952. Okay, I'll do Favor. Motion to second. Favor. Motion to go to third reading. Okay, very good. All in favor, go to third reading. Do, you, do I hear that you want to deliver the coup de grace, uh, Ms. Downey? Yes, please. Okay, so Ms. Downing is making the third reading for bylaws. Third reading. For what is the bylaws? Bylaws 1929 and 1952. All in favor? Yeah. Um, okay, so that takes us to the capital line of credit bylaw, bylaw 2050. Good evening. Uh, I bring forward a bylaw number 2050 um, for the um, line of credit to help uh, us with our cash flow. As you know, Peace Service has taken on a number of uh, large projects over the last year or so. Uh, the two big ones being the Mennonite Street Slide and the uh, Peace Regional Recreation Center. Uh, both have um, required a large outflow of cash and as this year progresses, we will be recouping a lot of that through um, the final grants that have been you know, promised to us by the province. Um, in order to maintain a positive cash flow until we receive the funding, uh, bylaw 2018 was passed to establish a line of credit for $6 million. This line of credit, this line of credit was uh, to be in place until all grants and funding for the projects is received. The interest rate uh, was Prime less 2.5%. Uh, any interest incurred would be applied to the projects and not general operations. Um, one of the features of any revolving line of credit at the Alberta Treasury branch where we have this is that a borrowing bylaw be passed annually. As such, bylaw 2050 is being presented to satisfy this requirement. As per section 2594 of the MGA, as, this term, as the term of this borrowing does not exceed five years, this bylaw does not have to be advertised and can be and can receive all readings at this, at this meeting. Uh, option one would be to pass bylaw 2050, uh, bylaw to establish a line of credit at the upper treasury branch. Uh, the advantages is that it would keep us in a positive cash flow. Um, so option two, would be not to pass bylaw 2050. Um, the disadvantage, there would be no advantages, and the disadvantages would be payment uh, to our contractors 
would be delayed and um, causes some other uh, cash flow issues. Uh, I don't have a question. I would like to make a motion to pass by law 150. <coughs> Does anyone have any questions for Mrs. Schramm? Okay. All in favor of Mrs. Scamp, one motion. In favor. And Mr. Good is making the uh, selling for a second meeting. All in favor of Mr. Good's motion? In favor. Do we have anybody who wants to make a motion to really quickly? Mr. Ford? Mr. Reliable Ford? All in favor? In favor. And who's going to do the honors for third reading? Mr. Needham? All in favor? In favor. Um, so, so that one's passed. That takes us to the short term borrowing bylaw. Passed. So we, we do our borrowing via MasterCard, or what's the story there? <laughs> Actually, no, the, the MasterCard um, has been in place with the town for a number of years. Um, so it's used, it's, it's used uh, where traditional methods such as purchase orders and all that are in, inadequate, or where they're, not, uh, they're no longer accepted by suppliers. Also, online booking and purchasing is becoming more common, necessitating the need to provide options to the staff. Uh, one of the features of any revolving line of credit that we're the Treasury branch is that the borrowing bylaw is passed annually. As such, bylaw 2051 being presented to satisfy this requirement. Uh, in the future, this uh, a bylaw will be presented in January as we. Uh, as the MasterCard is an ongoing quote uh, unquote line of credit, so you'll be seeing that from now on into January. Um, as per Section 2563 of the MGA, uh, as this borrowing does not exceed three years, this bylaw does not have to be advertised and receive all readings at this meeting. Uh, option one is to pass bylaw 2050. Uh, the advantages is that it will facilitate the continued use of our. MasterCard for town purchases. Uh, I don't see any disadvantages to that. Um, not, option two would be not to pass by 2051. Um, I don't see too many advantages to that, but the disadvantages would be reduced purchasing options for the staff. So administration is recommending the council pass by 2051, short-term borrowing by law for the MasterCard. Just a note for that, uh, the principal sum for this bylaw is 150000 Correct. Just, just a note on the, it's on the background part, the word passed in both of and all of this, the wrong past, it's P-A-S-S-E-D instead of P-A-S-T, that was done with both of them. So if you have a template, Fix it. I will do that. Okay. Thank you for pointing that out. Thank you for catching me with solacism. Um, who wants to do first motion? I'll do first motion to your worship. Okay. This one is to pass bylaw 2051. Yeah. Okay. All in favor? Just going to do a second. Second meeting, Mr. Ford. All in favor? In favor. 
We're going to do a motion to go to third reading. All in favor? In favor. And these can be delivered the final vote. Mr. Needham, all in favor? In favor. That one is passed as well. Thank you very much. And we don't have any unfinished business, but we are going to take a five to ten minute break because I need to talk to you, Mr. Schreer. Okay, how it's passed. Reconvene. And we'll start with new business. Briefing note Peace Regional Recre Recreational Complex Construction Update. Or as it's known in some circles, Baytex 2.0. <laughs> so I guess I'm presenting this one on behalf of both myself and Director Bell. Uh, so basically just to kind of give you an update of where we are in the construction process and uh, a lot of substantial work has uh, gone on uh, since our last report. Uh, but now we're down to the nitty gritty where we're going to put a lot of finishing work uh, and get that complete. And Councillor Needham, uh, feel free to chime in here uh, whenever. Uh, so basically the, the big item was getting that uh, arena slab poured, which is now poured and, and complete. Uh, so we're just waiting for that to cure uh, to get some, uh, before we get uh, some of the finished work in there as well. Uh, and I understand the contractors for that job were the same ones as for Rogers Place. <coughs> so, uh, so now we're just uh, kind of finishing off a lot of the electrical mechanical work in there, uh, lighting fixtures going in. Uh, so there are a couple uh, photos of uh, our progress to date. The one uh, item that you'll see in there is some of the <coughs> leachers seating. I do not get uh, too concerned with that. I've got some clarification going out to the contractor on that. We will not be having that wood plank seating as our final bench seating. So what I suspect is that wood there is uh, to serve as an anchor for the aluminum seedings to come. So uh, in terms of uh, what our focus is on May, June is uh, completing the completions. We've got a lot of the, the glass glazing work around the arena complete. I'm just gonna kind of finish, do a lot of finish work on that. Uh, keep our work. Uh, completing uh, the lighting, as we've said. Uh, and then we're looking to start commissioning uh, mid-June. And uh, that will probably take place for the next 
three weeks after that. And so putting us in a position to actually take occupancy on uh, the 15th of July uh, 2019. So <coughs> a little later than what we had planned, but still we have that uh, window there that is going to be sufficient uh, for us to get in there and uh, get all moved in and get things up and working for our software in August. Uh, in terms of the existing arena demolition, so uh, in there we've been having uh, abatement of the asbestos happening over the last uh, two to three weeks. Uh, they should be wrapping up uh, within the next two weeks on that. Uh, and then we'll take a week uh, in June just to do a final move of any last equipment from the old arena and then demolition starting on the 24th of June 2019. And we'll probably put a little bit of public notice around that so people aren't too surprised when uh, the dozers start coming in there and I'm sure people will also want to get in there and take some shots of the, the first crack. <laughs> <laughs> is there is there going to be? Uh, uh, unfortunately, no. Uh, it looks like more of a, a conventional demolition. Uh, I, I tried sweet talking them into uh, doing it explosively and I'd be willing to say I'd be willing to go back and get my blasters ticket again and, and get that. But, uh, but uh, no, we'll be doing it by conventional means. Uh, no, uh, Director Bell's been working away continually on sponsorship, sponsorships and donations and she'll have a little bit of an update on the next report in that regard. I remember she's working on a lot of different ones in that regard. Uh, we've been working with our concession and fitness operators uh, on as finishing details and, and getting things in place so that way when they move in, it'll be a fairly smooth process. So we've had a lot of discussions back and forth about uh, just how things are going to work that way and get them up and running. Uh, soft costs, so the AV contractor has been busy uh, in there uh, and working with the electrical contractor of the project to get all the AV infrastructure uh, installed for the rec center. Uh, got some tidy up uh, work on the security systems yet to go, but all the base infrastructure is in there for it. It's just a, lot, a little bit of finish work. And uh, last thing is just under facility asset disposal planning. So uh, I think a lot of uh, the assets that we looked at uh, donating for Nampa and Berwyn have been spoken for. It's just a case of uh, getting those last pieces out of there for demolition. And then I know over the next uh, two to three weeks that uh, Mr. Wallace is uh, working with Director Bell on any last remaining items that might be available for sale. Cool. Uh, is there anything you want to add to that? No, I think that's a pretty good recap. I'm just going to add, I think McMillan is getting ready to do some yard work. I think uh, they've pulled the skid shacks, construction shacks, off of the east side of the lot. So if you drive <coughs> by it, uh, you'll see there's been a lot of uh, material moved around. And I, I believe they've got an asphalt, uh, although it's not on here, but they want to obviously do the asphalt pour on the back and then there's some sidewalk work that needs to be done and uh, so I think along with 
you know, inside work of the VTEX, uh, uh, the, the demolition, and there's also some outside work. So there's, there's, a, there's, there's, there's lots of activity there in the next couple of months, that's for sure. But uh, it looks as though uh, they're getting ready to do some of that uh, yard work outside as well. Yeah, 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 we've been kind of talking to them over the last uh, week or so around as well. One last item around that was uh, just around the TELUS feeder into the existing VTEX which actually goes into the existing Baytex and back over the pool. So right now we're just working with TELUS uh, to get that feed directly into the pool so we're not uh, without uh, telephone service and, and fire uh, alarm panel service to that building as well. So we're sure that uh, we're getting that looked after and so we've got no hiccups that way. Any questions? decision attendance at the library anniversary open house. So this one, Your Worship, is uh, just the Peace River Public Library celebrating their 85th anniversary on the 21st of May. And council is invited to attend the open house. It's already happened. So I think this is just uh, kind of a late enabling motion or uh, yes, council had indicated that they would like to attend, and I believe some council members did attend. However, the timing of it was such that it couldn't be approved beforehand. So council requested that did they had they attended, they be have been uh, approved to do so. So just uh, yeah, backdating and enabling motion to do so. Okay, I move to enable council to attend retroactively. Favor. So who is the, is it more than one time traveler on council or? I believe there's only one person. Yeah. So I'm that's the deputy mayor. I believe so, sir. She's on that committee. Um, request for the decision invitation to healthcare appreciation quality. Thank you, Your Worship. Uh, so this one is, as you say, for the Peace Regional Healthcare Attraction and Retention Committee, is hosting their annual appreciation barbecue on June 13th, and member uh, council members are invited to attend the event. And so this is just a enabling motion uh, or a request for decision that would enable council members to attend. I see they know. <laughs> it's a rather informal event, Your Worship. However, any council members that wish to attend and have a delicious barbecue and enjoy a round of mini golf and interact with their local health care providers are more than welcome to attend. I went last year. It is very informal. Did you give me any free medical advice? Uh, I kept my clothes on. <laughs> Do we have to? Do we have to show our health care card before we? Okay, who's making a motion here? Okay, Mr. No. Scammer Horn is enabling everyone to attend all the favor. In favor. Okay, so the next one is uh, 
Rotary House Open House. We don't call it the Rotary Shell uh, House anymore. We just call it the Rotary House. Okay. Uh, Is that so they've already got Shell's money, and they must be. It's an annual thing, maybe. Uh, so, Your Worship, uh, Rotary House, in conjunction with the Peace River Chamber of Commerce, is hosting an evening social on the 20th of June, uh, 2019. Council is invited to attend uh, the tour facility and meet staff. So, this uh, request for decision is to enable council to attend. Okay. Just going to make that motion. Mr. Ford, all in favor? In favor. Your Worship, I did want to mention that the walk for the LF is also on the 20th of June. For any of those who aren't going to go to the Rotary House Open House, that might want to attend that. They didn't. Uh, they didn't actually invite us. <laughs> not. Not yet. They didn't. <laughs> okay. Um, sometimes it's first come, first serve on this council. Um, the next one is attendance at a UP Centennial Celebration. Yes, Your Worship. Uh, so 2019 marks the centennial of the founding of the Alberta Union of Provincial Employees. And the Council is invited to attend the centenary event and bring greetings to AUPE members of the community. And so this request for decision is uh, both to uh, for council to attend and also for council to uh, provide a member to bring greetings. Okay. I will bring greetings and I'll probably have our communications officer work up some wonderful words to celebrate the 100th year of labor freedom in this country. Um, uh, we need the motion for to enable members to attend. Okay, who's making that motion? Um, your Worship. I, okay, very well. I, I was going to say that Mr. Needham, uh, right wing Needham, actually uh, is going to enable that one, but we're, we're more than happy to, uh, to, to have the member to take, take the motion. All in favor? I used to be a member of the AUP as well. And uh, we're, we're, the next one is an invitation to the power. So your worship, uh, this year marks the 16th anniversary of the Peace River Powwow and the 24th annual Aboriginal gathering. Council has been invited to attend and present welcoming remarks on behalf of the town. So this request for decision is to enable members uh, to attend and for uh, the mayor and council to bring greetings to the town. So I can bring greetings probably at the Saturday afternoon, 2 o'clock, 1. Um, I'm not sure if they're wanting greetings at the Saturday, 7, evening, 7 p.m. one. Uh, usually they have greetings for the Sunday one, um, and I'm not sure on the graduation if they actually have greetings. Are you going to be in town, Ms. Downey? Yes, I'll be in town. Okay. Uh, 
please, Ms. Downey. Councilor Downey. Sorry, sorry, I had it on mute. Uh, I'm talking away. Uh, Your Worship, I will be in town on Saturday, so I will meet you at the uh, powwow at 1 o'clock. But if you wanted to give the greetings, that would be ideal. Well, we could get you to bring the greetings then. I, I mean, I certainly could do it, but you have a real flair for it, Tom. You've done it for a few years. <laughs> but whatever works. Uh, what about Sunday? I'm also in town on Sunday, so I could do. Uh, I could. I will be attending on Sunday as well. Okay, so you can bring greetings on Sunday. Then. I'll bring Sounds greetings good. on Saturday. Sounds good. Thank you. Are you? Elaine Manzer won't be here though, right? No, she finished that. Okay. So, yeah. uh, will, you, will you stick around for the graduation? Or? I, I, I will stick around for the graduation. I usually stay all afternoon. Oh, good for you. Yeah. Even though you're a homeschool home supporter, you'll still <laughs> stick around for the graduation. Exactly. <laughs> Okay. okay, we just need an enabling motion for council members to attend if they wish. Okay. Okay, uh, Mr. Needham, all in favor? In favor. Um, and so that takes us to reports. And uh, uh, Ms., uh, Ms., Mr. Ford would like to uh, make a report on the evacuation center. So as everybody's well aware, the uh, provincial government got a hold of the town it was last Monday evening, and uh, the town initiated a uh, an evacuation uh, reception center here in Peace River for the evacuees for the high-level Chuck Egg fire. Um, and I just wanted to say that I did uh, stop. I, I have been volunteering down at the at the evac center, uh, greeting a lot of, of the evacuees, but I did. Uh, uh, stop in Tuesday morning during my lunch at work and the facility was quite full and I was I'm pleased to say that the training that uh, that our upper management have taken the uh, the evacuation center was so well organized um, a lot of the evacuees that I talked to um, even even yesterday when I when I worked they are so appreciative of the of the hospitality and the generosity generosity of the uh, the businesses and the residents of Peace River and the region, especially with all of the, the barbecues and all that that are going around all over. So there's a big thank you to everybody for uh, putting in all the, all the hard work and doing a good job. And as of, uh, I should report to, as of 6 p.m. 6 p.m. this evening, we have 632 registered evacuees in, in town. And she just stole Ms. Hume's thunder. It's not closed yet for the day. Okay. Closes at eight. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> okay. Uh, motion to accept the more information. Uh, Mr. Good. Okay. Information. Um, so there's the MMSA board meeting minutes that are in draft. Uh, Ms. Mauser is not here to underscore anything, but uh, 
Anybody noticed anything in there? Oh, sorry. Uh, if there's anything uh, someone may have noted in the minutes that's worth underscoring, please speak up. Uh, there's the synopsis of the May 10th, 2019 meeting of the North Peace Housing Foundation. Uh, is there anything? It's just Ken Warren, you would like to underline? Um, nothing particularly uh, noteworthy. It's been um, it's been a it's been a very encouraging time. Uh, the board as of late, lots of synergy and excellent work that's been going on. And um, uh, the last few meetings have been just a lot of look towards growth in the future and planning and big things happening. In particular, big plans for still Peace River in the next uh, number of years, provided all you know all the cards uh, get cut our direction. Excellent. Good show. Make sure that deck is shuffled properly. Uh, we got a man on the inside. <laughs> as long as you pull on the inside straight, that's all I care about. Peace uh, Regional Healthcare Attraction and Retention Committee meetings for the tardy November 6, 2018 meeting and the more recent May 7, 2019 meeting. Um, did you attend any of those, Ms. Downey? Your Worship, that is not my committee. That is the deputy mayor. So no, I didn't. Yeah, so she, she, she put in two, three sets of minutes here and is not here to defend them. Well, anyhow, that was very efficient of her. Yeah, very. Uh, I can speak to the gap. She's she's getting to be quite the politician. Yes, <laughs> the uh, as I was I'm the recording secretary for that committee, and the reason for the gap in the is that the February meeting was canceled due to uh, the uh, very poor yeah, weather. Exactly. Yes, so uh, as they only meet quarterly, uh, this is all we have. Uh, would you like to share any of your observations? Um, the committee is is active and uh, they are very engaged with RPAP and AHS. They are uh, building on the success of the Skills Weekend last year. They are planning to do a high school event in the spring of 2020, probably in April. Well, they were well, they will do something similar and bring a senior student from the high school that might be considering healthcare careers. And they'll have the new suturing and touring the hospital and uh, trying out some of the uh, sort of things that uh, might be involved with the eye to uh, having people that are from the region train and return uh, so they can realize that this is a viable option to help build in the north. So um, staffing wise, they are currently at about 14 physicians. Ideally, they'll have two more. Um, and they're working on bringing that in. But overall, in terms of mix of skills, um, our community is doing very well. And uh, is this committee also involved in the medical center? Uh, only in that um, some of the members from the primary care uh, group are also members, but they're not involved in the construction of the facility. Uh, in any way, shape, or form. Um, although they do report that 
it is looking good and going well and they have decided on a name but that will be announced at a later date. Very good. So motion to accept for uh, information items 10.1 through 10.3 inclusive. Who wants to do that? Mr. Scaffold, all in favor? In favor. Are there any notices of motion, Mr. McLean? There are not, Your Worship. And uh, I don't see any members of the public in the gallery. So we will go to key communication items here and uh, defer to the one lone representative <laughs> from the press. And I do have a couple of questions. Okay, Today, very good, Ms. Thompson. Uh, do you want me to yell from here? Or I don't know what's going yeah. um, The tree issue, um, I saw that there was a letter sent from council that that's been delayed for a bit and there may be an update on the overall infrastructure project in June. I, a couple of people were scared that it was not going to happen at all ever or that that was punitive. So maybe you can just speak to that delay really quickly. So. Well, we, I, we, we feel that uh, I, I don't know if it's so much as a delay as uh, there is a public consultation component that we take pretty seriously in the uh, neighborhood renewal program. And um, based on, on the information from the last few sessions, we, we as, a, as a town, and I'll speak for the administration on this part, have, uh, uh, have uh, decided to put a pause on phase three and four so that they can reevaluate major uh, phase two and three. Uh, phase two and three, and uh, just re reevaluate uh, re those phases. But at the same time, we've accelerated phase four. So um, we we will we are still going ahead with the south end neighborhood. Right. Yeah. Um, and then. Uh, just based on some Facebook comments, I think people would like to hear from the mayor regarding the um, uh, high-level fire and just get sort of an official statement from you on behalf of Peace River. And we've seen, obviously, the town's been working very hard to take care of the needs of the evacuees. I did have the report from Councillor Ford, but just a specific report from you, your worship, would be great. Well, I, I think uh, we're uh, we're, we're actually quite proud that we can help out. We've, uh, it sounds like we're uh, providing support to 560 uh, evacuees from the high level and uh, uh, paddle prairie areas. And actually, I understand that the number uh, as of 6 p.m. this evening is 632. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I, I yeah, and I, I would provide provide them with the supports that they that they need during this, uh, which must be a pretty trying time for them. Um, I'm certainly glad I'm not in the position of Mayor Crystal McTeer. Yeah. And uh, we, uh, but it looks like the uh, the fire controls are going to hold, and uh, 
and I uh, so I hats off to the to the Alberta Forestry Forest Fire Forest Fire Fighting Service, and uh, they can count on Peace River now and in the future to help help out wherever is needed. It sounded like there's been some training done and upper management that's really paid off. Yeah, we, we had our senior management uh, take some uh, training that um, was based on the learnings from Slave Lake and Fort Mac. And so I, uh, I think what you'll find that uh, from people that, that have registered at the center that it's uh, well organized and, uh, and the services that they need are being uh, well delivered. Feel um, community pride, I guess, in, in how the town has responded overall. Yeah, I'm I'm very proud of our uh, our people in the uh, the town office, uh, particularly those that have volunteered and put in extra time to help out. And uh, and I understand that uh, from the evacuees uh, that they are very impressed with the friendliness and the hospitality of the uh, town of Peace River as well. So yeah, there's been a, there's quite a bit of pride that we've been able to deliver this program, uh, not flawlessly, at least uh, uh, very well, and uh, and the response from the general citizen towards uh, the evacuees. All right, thank you, sir. Thank you for those questions. Is there anything else you might need? Uh, background information on her. If I come across something over the next couple of days as I work on the articles, I will get in touch okay. as needed, but I think I'm okay right now. Great. And uh, I don't, you also want to, well, I'm sure no one goes through the audio until this point <laughs> in the council, uh, but I understand that. Uh, your paper, which was known as the Smoky River Express, has now uh, enlarged their domain, so to speak, and yes. uh, you are now known as the Smoky River Peace River Express. Absolutely, and um, as far as I understand, there's two locations in town. Um, those We have a couple of copies of the paper courtesy of Mary Berger, the publisher today, um, so that you can see what we're doing. Um, and uh, every subscription counts. The last count, we only had about 25 subscriptions in count. So if you would like to keep me coming and reporting, please um, consider picking up either at one of the drugstores or get that subscription for, it's 55 bucks a year, so you're getting the paper for about a buck, you know, ish, a week. And so if everyone in council got that subscription, we'd almost double. <laughs> I hate to be a sales pitch, but it just, Media is what it is right now. We're, we're looking at a lot of options because our editor might be leaving too, so prove that there's a demand and you will continue to cover it. Excellent. Good to hear. Okay, we'll uh, take a five-minute break here and then we'll uh, come back for the one last encounter. Mm -hmm.